Good morning. Rain them in. Good morning. Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Pittsburgh. We're delighted to have you here in worship. Old friends and new, can you please pick up the pew pad at the end of the pew and pass it to everyone in your pew and sign your name so we know who's here and we can greet each other by name at the end of the service. If you wish to talk to a Stephen Minister today, the Stephen Minister on duty is Dick Sprinkle. He should be available in the narthex. There are plenty of announcements in the bulletins, but we have a few additional announcements here. I'm going to ask Lee Fox to come up first. Good morning. My name is Lee Fox. I'm here on behalf of your outreach committee. Today, we collect the peacemaking offering. As Presbyterians, we recognize that Christ taught us to be peacemakers, and that being peacemakers is part of being Christ's followers. So today, on World Communion Sunday, when we receive the bread and cup of life, we bring our gifts of self, service, and money to be put to work for Christ's peace in the world. One half of this offering is used by the Presbyterian Church USA to support their peacemaking programs and peacemakers such as Doug and Elaine Baker, who many of you have met, who have been working on peacemaking in Northern Ireland for almost 30 years. The PCUSA program also supports peacemakers around the globe and also uh, much closer to home. In May of this year, Presbyterian youth and adult volunteers, partnering with the Judicial Process Commission, uh, their staff, administered an anonymous criminal justice survey of shoppers at the Rochester Public Market. The results included 41 out of the 84 survey participants had family members that faced charges in court and 49 out of the 84 people they spoke with, more than 50% had family members that had been incarcerated. Our community needs peacemakers, and 25% of this offering will be used by the Presbytery to support People's Ministry in Christ, which is a storefront church on Dewey Avenue and a place of peace and hope in Rochester. Our portion of the offering will be used to support New Journey, a mentoring program for women who are pregnant or are already mothers and who are exiting the county correctional facility. The program is run by the Judicial Process Commission, and last year there were 54 mothers who enrolled in the program. Participants and their children who successfully complete the program live in stable housing and have a stable income. They complete educational programs or become employed or perhaps both, and their children are involved in a positive educational environment. Through this supportive mentoring experience, the hope and the goal is that the women and their children will will themselves become peacemakers. For more information, I will be in Fellowship Hall after the service. In our homes, our communities, and our world, we are called to be peacemakers. Peacemaking means planting seeds, though we may never see the flower, 
and never losing sight of the vision promised by God. Truly one day, swords, or now today, guns, will be beat into plowshares. Peacemakers stake their lives on that promise. Thank you. Thank you, Lee. Uh, Ron Pollack has an update for us on Adam. Good morning. I thought I'd just give you a brief update from, from about Sun Adam in Kenya. Um, prayers of Thanksgiving that uh, Carla arrived back on Friday and evening, and, and uh, so he's no longer covering the medical stuff at the home. But there are a couple prayers of concern, and I, I, I thought I'd share with you. Also, thanks that for his health and strength that, he, that the good Lord gives him. Um, but his, his septic system has failed there at the home, and, and his outhouse failed and collapsed this week. And, and so he says his eyeballs are turning brown. Um, so he, he, uh, he has dug a new outhouse so that, so that the kids have something to use. And he did find an a extractor to come and pump the septic, but that'll have to be an ongoing basis because that system has failed. And he's been working while he's been doing everything else and covering everything to, to get his... Um, plan in place to put his waste treatment plant in. Um, he thinks he has everything together and he's had a representative from the, the company that designed it and installs it to come and he met with them on Friday for a brief visit and, and they think he has everything set up properly. Um, but he needs to get his public health approvals and, and, and all that. So, And he hopes to start construction on it pretty quick so he can have it in place by the 1st of January. And operational. So do just pray for him to continue to have health and strength and, and wisdom in doing all that. Thanks. And we also have an announcement from Tanya Van Dorn. Good morning. The announcement on the back says treat your kids. It's really treat the parents. On Friday the 23rd, parents of younger ones, bring them to the church, and we're going to have games and movies and pizza so you can have a few hours to yourselves. And the kids will have fun here with our older youth engaging them in activities. All we ask is for a small donation of about $10. It's suggested. Uh, to the youth mission, and we will entertain the kids for you for a few hours. So again, that's the 23rd from 5 to 9 for up through 5th grade. We're limiting it to 20 kids for this first go-around. We're about half full, so if you're interested in taking advantage of it, call the office or carry your eye to sign up. Thanks. Thank you, Tanya. As I said, there are other announcements in the bulletin, so please make sure you read through those. And please join us for refreshments in the fellowship hall at the end of worship. And we will begin our service with the prelude, Bruce.
Our help is in the name of the Lord. This is the day that the Lord has made. Cry out with joy to the Lord all the earth. All God, on this day you began creation, bringing light out of darkness. Then you created the sun, moon, stars, seas, night and day, vegetation and animals, people and rest. On this first day of the week you began your new creation, raising Jesus Christ from the darkness of death. On this Lord's day, grant that we, the people you create by water and the Spirit, May be joined with all your works in praising you for your great glory, sharing your love and praising you for the life you give, well, redeeming grace. Jesus Christ, in union with the Holy Spirit, praise you now and forever. Amen. By grace we have been saved through faith, and this is not our own doing. It is a gift from God. Trusting in God's grace, let us confess our sins together. God of every people and nation, 
We confess that we have not lived as global citizens in your new realm of justice and peace. We build up dividing walls in the world. We contribute to division in the Church. We ignore the suffering in distant nations and live in fear of our closest neighbors. Forgive us, God of grace. Pour out your spirit of peace upon us. Break down the dividing walls among us and raise us up to be a holy temple, your temple of peace in the world, built on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ, in whose holy name we pray. Amen. Once we were strangers and aliens, now we are citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. People of God, hear the good news. In the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Christ is our peace. The peace of Christ be with you all. Greet one another. I'm going to invite children to join me up on the stairs. Good morning, everybody. I brought my star ball. It's pretty nice. It's pretty soft. Now, I have learned that some of you have been discovering some things about the Ten Commandments. Is that true? You've been learning about some of the Ten Commandments in Sunday school? You have been? If you can name one of them, you hold the ball. So if somebody can name one of the Ten Commandments, you can hold... Okay, okay wait a minute, wait a minute. You hold the ball. Now, what's one of the commandments you learned? Do not steal. That's true. That's one of them. You learned one? Do not have jealousy. That's true. Do not misuse the Lord's name. That's true. Wes, you got one? Do not murder. Oh, that's be terrible. You got one, Rachel? Do not commit adultery. That's a hard one to understand. That happens very easily, but it's very hard to understand. Morgan, you got one? Do not make idols. Did you know that that's the one we're going to really talk about today? That's the one. You know one? Honor your mother and father. That's good. Do not lie. You know what? You have done a fabulous job. I'll bet you did a better job with that than everybody else out here. I am so glad you've been learning about that in Sunday school. And those are wonderful laws. 
If we broke one of them, do you think God would still love us? Yeah. Isn't that amazing? God still loves us when we break all of those. Jesus eventually said, I'm going to take all of those laws and turn them into two basic ones. And that is love God and love your neighbors. And that was really pretty special. Let's give thanks to God for him giving us these commands. Lord God, you didn't give us these commands so that we would honor you with them, but you gave them so that we could live better together. We give you thanks for your commands. Help us to live them, because sometimes they're very hard to do. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before you leave, I want you to take a look so that you remember where your parents are, because toward the end of worship today, we're going to have you come back so that you can see communion and participate. And uh, that would be wonderful. But now you're going to be heading off to Sunday school. We hope you have a great time.
The Gospel reading for this World Communion Sunday is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8. In those days when there was again a great crowd without anything to eat, Jesus called his disciples and said to them, I have compassion for the crowd because they have been with me now for three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way, and some of them have come from a great distance. His disciples replied, How can one feed these people with bread here in the desert? He asked them, How many loaves do you have? They said, Seven. Then he ordered the crowd to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves, and after giving thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to distribute, and they distributed them to the crowd. They had also a few small fish, and after blessing them, he ordered that these two should be distributed. They ate and were filled, and they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full. Now there were about 4,000 people, and he sent them away, and immediately he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the district of Dalmanutha. There are a number of readings, by the way, of this story. They occur in all of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There are those that record 5,000, others 4,000, some say 5,000 men and women and children. It was miraculous, and I think it really happened because people shared. Teach us, O God, by your word and spirit. Help us to hear, know, and live the gospel so that we might proclaim in word and deed the good news that you offer us this day, a message of peace and love to the whole community. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Deuteronomy 4. See, just as the Lord my God charged me, I now teach you statutes and ordinances For you to observe in the land that you are about to enter and occupy. You must observe them diligently, for this will show your wisdom and discernment to peoples. And they will hear these statutes and will say, Surely this great nation is a wise and discerning people. For what other great nation has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is whenever we call to him? And what other great nation has statutes and ordinances? as just as this entire law that I am setting before you today. But take care and watch yourselves closely, so as neither to forget the things that your eyes have seen, nor to let them slip from your mind all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children, how you once stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, when the Lord said to me, Assemble the people. And I will let them hear my word so that they may learn to fear me as long as they live on the earth and may teach their children so. You approached and you stood at the foot of the mountain while the mountain was blazing to the very heavens shrouded in clouds. And then the Lord spoke to you out of the fire. You heard the sound of words, but you saw no form. There was only a voice. And the voice declared to you his covenant which he charged you to observe, that is, the Ten Commandments. And he wrote them on two large tablets. 
since you saw no form when the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the fire. Watch yourselves closely so that you do not act corruptly by making an idol for yourselves in the form of any figure, the likeness of male or female, the likeness of any animal that's on the earth, the likeness of any winged bird that flies, the likeness of anything that creeps on the ground, the likeness of any fish that's in the water under the earth. And when you look up to the heavens and see the sun and the moon and the stars and all the host of heaven, do not be led astray and bow down to them and serve them. They are things that the Lord your God has given to all people everywhere. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Hurricane has ravaged the Caribbean and its waves seem to have swallowed a very great ship. Tornadoes blow away a lifetime of memories. A deranged young man with a collection of guns blows away the hopes of a number of families. A drunk driver claims an innocent victim. A divorce shatters a home. But it seems almost small compared to a misplaced bomb falling on a hospital. International and personal tragedies make our world seem like a fearful place overflowing with evil. It's out of control. And the litany of bombings and coups and murders and natural disasters cause a lot of us to question whether or not God is either absent or impotent. Where is God? 25 centuries ago, the prophet Daniel asked the exact same question. He was filled with despair. He and thousands of his fellow countrymen had been deported to Babylon after Judah was ravaged and destroyed. Daniel found himself facing an egocentric despot surrounded by idolaters. And instead of giving up, this courageous young man held fast to his faith. Daniel knew that despite the circumstances, God was sovereign and working out a plan for nations and individuals. And the book of Daniel centers around the profound perspective which theologians have later called the sovereignty of God. Now, this book contains information about the destruction and deportation conducted by Nebuchadnezzar and begins its conclusion with the series of visions that Daniel had during the reigns of Belshazzar, Darius, and Cyrus. And in those chapters, we get a preview of God's redemptive plan, some of which others call the key to biblical prophecy. Then when we come to the last chapter of the book, God seems to have provided a wonderful summary of something we want to explore this morning in a single verse that comes, well, it just seems disconnected to most of what we've read today. It's Daniel chapter 12, verse 3. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky, and they will lead others to be righteous like the stars forever. I mean, it's hard to connect something like that to this long reading in Deuteronomy because there are dissimilarities of intent within the passages. So we struggle to understand Scripture. In the case of Daniel, we find him being nudged by God to be a faithful disciple despite hardship. He is encouraged to persevere. God has blessings in store for those who are just a little more patient. 
One of the wonderful things about exploring various texts in our All-Star series this fall is that it causes us to explore a variety of Bible passages that we commonly ignore or bypass, such as the case of Deuteronomy 4 that we read this morning. When I thought about this passage, I was first drawn to a few questions like these. If you were founding a country, what would you include in your constitution? If you were president for a day, what would you sign into law? And because my five-year-old granddaughter has just been introduced to Star Wars, and because we have hauled up from the bowels of the basement all of the old Star Wars figures that have been sent to be orphaned there for quite a while, I have considered the question, what do you collect and what might be your favorite piece? In the verses that we read this morning from chapter 4, we heard the power of love of God is shared to Israel. And through Moses, he makes several warnings. There is this reference to their national covenant, right? They have a constitution. It's the Ten Commandments. Actually, the name of the book, Deuteronomy, comes from the two words, deutero, meaning second, and nomos, meaning law. So it's the second telling of the commands. These laws were made to be observed and obeyed, and our obedience as individuals does not merit our salvation. Our obedience is evidence that we are choosing to partake in the gifts and promises of God. We don't honor them so that God will like us. God gave us these rules so that we might have a happier community. But we're tempted to break them. All of them. And when you start looking at the passage, when Moses gets to the end here of Deuteronomy, he starts to warn them, uh, make sure that you are worshiping the God who gave you these, a God you can't see. Don't make up images or idols. And by God, don't even look up at the stars and decide you're going to worship those. That's idolatry. God doesn't want it. So the passage is really about this. We don't have many idols that we worship, do we? Did you know that during the Reformation period, reformers like Presbyterians were so concerned that people would fall into the trap of idolatry that they began to destroy nearly every image they could find in churches? They destroyed things like stained glass windows. Now, church buildings actually had these stained glass windows as visual aids. I mean, they didn't have internet, they didn't have projectors, they didn't have screens, and since most people were not able to read, 
images in stained glass told the stories of the Bible and church history. And they could point to the windows. We only have these two who have figures. We actually have a third, by the way. It's out here in the entrance, and it's a picture of Jesus and the children. Most people have never seen it. And these ones remind us of compassion, right, and humility on the right. They were not intended to be worshipped. They were to serve as aids in our worship, to understand scripture. Now, we know we can't explain everything away. It isn't long before we have some cash in our hands, and then we realize how tempting it would be to make an idol of that. This we understand, as one man put it, from the time an infant first struggles to get his toes into his mouth, life is a continual struggle to make both ends meet. Or somebody else put it this way. They say it's better to be poor and happy than rich and miserable. But couldn't something be worked out like being moderately wealthy and just a little moody? (laughs) (laughs) What we idolize can be a hindrance in our relationship with God. And indeed, Jesus saw that clearly. Once upon a time, there was a young man who came to Jesus. He was a rich young ruler. And and if you examine the record from Scripture, you're going to see that this story is found all throughout the Bible, uh, throughout the Gospels. He said to Jesus, Good Master, what shall I do that I might inherit eternal life? Now, there's no question about this young man's sincerity. He had good intentions. He is very sincere. Jesus is gentle, and he cautions him to be careful about using the term good too easily. And Jesus said, well, do you know the commandments? And then Jesus starts to name them. Do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, do not... Well, the young man says, all of these I have kept since a child. Like Moses long before him, Jesus laid out the commandments, and like Moses many years ago with this man kneeling on the edge of his promised land, challenges the man in what Jesus perceives to be his idolatry. So the man said, I've observed all of these. Jesus sees this wonderful moral man. He says, well, just to check and make sure your heart's in the right place here, why don't you sell what you have and become my follower? And he went away sad. And the scripture tells us he had a lot of stuff. We understand this. Someone noted sometime back that an astronomer can predict with perfect accuracy every star in the heavens and where it will be at 11.30 p.m. tonight. But he cannot make a prediction about his teenage son or daughter. The astronomer may admit that the universe is complicated. He can tell us A lot of things about the heavens, but he cannot tell us that his teenagers will follow a predictable pattern. Their lives are very complicated. I remember when our two children started to learn how to drive. 
I told our neighbors, if you don't like the way my kids are driving, stay off the sidewalk. I mean, we were very clear. And some of us are not all that easy to predict either. If accumulating toys won't bring you happiness and keeping the rules won't buy you salvation, what in the world is it going to take? If we take everything we have and sell it and give the proceeds to the poor like Jesus was telling this man to do, will that do it? Well, I say it depends. Is money what's most important in your life? Is it your money that's keeping you from giving yourself to God? When Jesus told this man to sell everything he had to give the poor, he went away sad because that was a big deal to him. What is it that is first in your life? Let me phrase it this way. What is it that keeps you from doing something great for God? Your job, your family, time playing computer games, watching sports on TV, conversing with your friends on Facebook, some hobby. How would God feel if God looked at your visa statements or your computer log or your day planner to take a look at what really matters? Where do you devote your energy, your dreams, and your time? Jesus knew where this man's heart was. He was a nice guy. He kept all of the commandments. That's probably more than you and I do. Jesus looked at him and Jesus loved him, but Jesus also knew that God was not at the top of his list of important stuff. In many people's minds, Paul Tillich was the 20th century's most perceptive theologian, and Tillich once said that whatever is our ultimate concern in life, that is our God. Among these concerns might be our personal success, our allegiance to our country, or the quest for scientific truth, or a host of other important things. Our ultimate concern should be God. All but the latter, he writes, are forms of idolatry. That's a very hard thing to say. I mean, you must, you can't really mean that God would come before my job or my family or my concern for health or my allegiance to my country. It's not very often God ever asks us to make a choice for those. Unless you're in a classroom in Oregon. Right? There are two kinds of scallops. Big ones and small ones. But you already knew that, right? Where it gets confusing is the origin of the scallops. Are they the ocean, the bay, the gulf, east coast, west coast, whatever? The itsy-bitsy scallops are known as bay scallops. They are harvested along the east coast as far south as North Carolina. They're available fresh from the fall through the spring, and their subtle flavor and texture are superior to just about all the others. The big sea scallops, an inch or more, are best for baking, broiling, or barbecuing on skewers, 
whereas the base scallops are really too tiny for that. You can fry them and throw them into pasta dish at the end. Now, scallops are mollusks with two hinged shells called bivalves, which filter their food from the surrounding water. Scallops differ from oysters, clams, and mussels because they can open and close those shells and propel themselves, almost swim. This ability develops an oversized muscle referred to as the scallop abductor, and the abductor muscle is shaped similarly to a marshmallow. It's the primary edible portion of a scallop. Years ago, I was working as a waiter in the Saxony room of the Portico Hotel in Ocean City, New Jersey. The head chef had purchased these magnificent-looking scallops early that morning directly at the dock in Cape May, and he had bought them wonderful scallops for a really cheap price. So the scallops were the special on the menu. Word came from the kitchen through the maitre d', the scallops are not moving. Tell customers and guests about the scallops. Why they weren't moving, I don't know. Maybe folks thought that the best scallops came from Maine. They probably didn't know that the people in Maine believed that the best scallops came from Maine, but they were really imported from Jersey. They seemed to want everything on the menu except the scallops. I tried my best. I ran everything through the evening menu. Let me direct your attention to some of the special items on tonight's menu. I described the brandy peppercorn and Bernays sauces for the beef. I talked about the fresh sa- salmon with the mango sauce and the sun-dried tomatoes and the veal martini. I laid it all out. And then and, and we have scallops. I saved the best for last so I didn't have to repeat all the other stuff and could talk about the scallops, which I described in loving detail. Still nothing. Another family came in. They were my table. I went over to them and I said, uh, I believe that the broiled scallops are going to be really popular this evening. So if you're interested in them now, I suggest that you tell me right away. (laughs) It was marketing heaven. (laughs) They could not broil the scallops fast enough. The mater d' was informed. He said, what did you do? I said, well, I just found a great way to sell scallops. Well, most anything you want. You just say that it's going fast. All the other waiters and waitresses tried the same. We sold all of the scallops we'd gotten from Cape May. And the maitre d' came at the end of the evening. He tapped me on the shoulder and says, Well, there's one waiter that's going to get a gold star for selling all the scallops tonight. I mean, wouldn't you like to know the secret to selling a product? how to move it, what insight, what technique. Is there some special hint that would convince us that we have the key? We have a consumer culture, a society that tends to measure much of our worth on what is owned and consumed. Shouldn't we be preaching like this, like we sell scallops? 
Most of us have lost the mystic God in the clouds for the utilitarian God in our closets and our computer hard drives. How many impatient, hyperactive people have reached into their cabinets and gotten out their graving tools, making for themselves a golden calf that gives them something to do rather than spend time in community or silence, waiting on God and in everything giving thanks? But that's not what the world wants. But it may be what the world needs. Let me tell you. Around much of the world, love is in great need. And it's going to be in short supply. It was actually Voltaire who described our idolatry well when he said, If God made us in his image, we have certainly returned the compliment. Humanity continues to flex its creative muscles and invent new idols, new images of tiny gods at an impressive rate. From the moment that the ancient Hebrews began to worship only one God, people of faith have been confronted with the enticement of worshiping at the feet of so many gods. What does the way of faith, centered on belief in the omniscient power of one God, have to offer to counter these gold-plated seductions. Nothing big. God just offers a choice whether or not you want some level of contentment and peace. It is a choice of worshiping the stars we're shining like one. And if we were all to shine a little more, the world would be a brighter place. There's a prayer here for us to use. Gracious and loving God, You have given us so much, especially the gift of reconciliation through your Son, Jesus Christ. You, the God of peace, have promised that you will always be with us. Now in gratitude, we bring our tithes and offerings to you. We ask your blessing on these gifts and on our lives so that your peace and justice might be furthered in your world.
This is the joyful feast of the people of God. This is the Lord's table. Our Savior invites those who trust him to share the feast which has been prepared. According to Luke, when our risen Lord was at table with his disciples, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Christ came to us proclaiming peace. Peace to all who are near. Peace to all who are far away. In Christ's body we are joined together. In Christ's body we are made one. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Blessed are you, O Lord our God. We give thanks that you have prepared this rich feast for us, a feast of grace for all the nations and peoples of the world, a sign of the day when you will swallow up sin and death forever. Therefore we praise you, joining the song of the Universal Church and the Heavenly Choir. compassion to the hungry crowds, providing an abundant meal with just a few loaves and fish, extending your covenant care to all peoples of the earth. With thanksgiving, remember how Jesus took a loaf of bread, and when he had blessed it, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take, eat, this is my body, do this in remembrance of me. With thanksgiving, we remember how Jesus took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant, Sealed in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Drink of it, all of you. Do this, remembering me. Remembering your grace to us, O God, we offer ourselves to you with gratitude as we share this joyful feast. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us and upon this bread and cup. Make us one in body and blood of Jesus Christ our Lord. By your Spirit, wet our appetites for that glorious day when your children will hunger and thirst no more, and you will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Through the Lord Jesus Christ, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, we bless you, God of glory, now and forever. Amen. And so on the night of his arrest, our Lord and Savior did take a loaf of bread, an ordinary loaf of bread, But then he did something extraordinary with it. After he had given thanks to God for it, he broke it. And he gave it to each and every one of his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so in obedience and gratitude, we do. 
When supper had just about drawn to a close, our Lord took the cup, as I do ministering in his name. And he said, this is the cup of the new covenant poured out in my blood for the forgiveness of sin. A new covenant. Today, as we receive these elements, you might be pausing and considering that there are Christians all over the world who will be doing this today. They're doing it in Peru, and they're doing it in Afghanistan, and they're doing it in Syria, they're doing it in Oregon, and in Florida, everywhere. A new covenant rooted in forgiveness, rooted in grace. It is what our world needs. The cup of salvation. Drink ye all of it.
We have a number of prayer requests and celebrations today, and I want to start by thanking the Adams family for, first of all, having Amanda and giving us this to celebrate her 21st birthday for which you see these beautiful flowers before me. And we also have, in addition to these lovely flowers celebrating her 21st birthday, you'll notice that they have asters in them because Pittsford Florist did not just this bouquet but these tinier bouquets that we have up here. And rather than ask people to come forward to receive them, I'm going to give them to you after worship service. But we have been celebrating stars this fall and how we are each stars in God's universe and how we can invite more stars to join us to any event that this particular church hosts. And so we have in Veronica Chung, can you raise your hand for me, sweetheart? She's brought five different stars to five different events. And so one of these bouquets is to thank you for doing so. And for the Nichols family, go ahead and raise your hands. They have also brought stars to five different events, so we want to thank you, and one of these is for you. And for the Mitchell family in the back, you've also brought stars, and so we want to thank you. Should you be bringing other stars, let us know. We want to celebrate you so that we can give thanks for the numerous stars that God has placed in the universe and add to our own. In addition to celebrating the Adams' birthday, we are celebrating Betty Willard's birthday, which was yesterday, and I know we want to give thanks and praise. Connie Hodgkins is also celebrating her 90th birthday this weekend. While she hasn't been able to worship with us, she lives at St. John's Meadows. Many of you may remember her, and so we give thanks and praise for her 90th birthday. We're holding in prayer for Harold and Juanita McAuliffe, their niece. Their niece, Madison, is going to have brain surgery on Monday the 12th to remove an aneurysm, and so we are hopeful for the surgeons that will be operating on her. We are also joining with the McKenzie family and praying for Sister Katie, who had a a fall and a hip surgery, so we're praying for good recovery. We're also praying with David Churchill for his uncle, who had a mini-stroke, and we're hopeful that that stroke will continue to bring with its healing a return to normal functioning. We're also praying with Betsy Vipperman and her family over the loss of Betsy's mother this past week, and the memorial service was held down in the Carolinas for which Betsy traveled to that. We're also in solidarity praying with the Charlie Tan jury for the important and difficult deliberations that they have been undergoing, and will continue to do so on Monday. And finally, We're praying with Carol Weber and with her mother, Jean McAndrew, for Jean has entered into hospice this week. We give thanks and praise for all these and the many saints that God knows of in God's daily prayers. Thank you, Carrie. Joan Miller also had successful surgery this this, um, week and uh, has been on her rotator cuff, and uh, it'll just slow her down a little. There are so many uh, prayers that come to us. This is a little different on this World Communion Sunday. Our closing prayer here is one in which we can all share, so I invite you to do that. God of all nations, we give you thanks for this feast of your goodness and grace. As you have nourished us in Christ Jesus, 
Send us forth to feed and serve others, sharing your peace with the whole community and showing your faithful love in the world. May we become wise, shining like a clear, bright sky, and bring peace to others that we might all shine like stars forever. Through Jesus Christ, bread of life for all, may we live the prayer he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Will, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, some of you may say, well, okay, we were going to have all of these hymns with stars in them, and that didn't appear in 509. But if you go to the third stanza and you start looking down and you see the word blessed, if you take the ST from blessed and the next word, which is R, you get S-T-A-R. Pretty impressive. I charge us all to shine like stars in a world that sometimes seems to be dark. Go in peace.
May the love of God the Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the blessing of the Holy Spirit go with us and abide with us always. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, star, star's in there, see? <laughs>